0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD Farrakh.
1: They just got done feeding
0: the multitudes.
1: And Jesus is like, I got to get them out of here. <laughs> They're heroes right now. And it's going to their head. Peter wants to start the first church of the feeding of the multitudes. And he's going to have an instant mega church. And I got to get them out of here to protect them from pride. That's the greater trial. So he sends them into that storm in order to protect them from what could have been a more perilous storm, the peril of pride, which will ultimately lead to the fall.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Thessalonians. Today, Pastor J.D. talks about how God uses the trials in our life to draw us closer to Him. You may not see how it will play out to your benefit, but he has a plan that's bigger than just you. He may be leading you to one storm that looks dangerous and scary, but he's doing it so that you can avoid an even bigger one. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor JD in 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 with today's edition of in spirit and truth.
1: I'm going to make a statement I've mentioned this before, I've stated this before and I think it bears repeating and it's that persecution and affliction does not hinder the church. The opposite is true. It's the absence of persecution and affliction that will hinder the church. You want to grow the church? Persecute the church. The church will grow. We can ask our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that are under severe persecution. This is true for God's church collectively, and so too is this true for God's people individually. I think of David in Psalm 119 verse 67, listen to what he says. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Lord, you had to bring affliction. You had to bring persecution. You had to bring adversity. You had to bring spiritual warfare. You got my attention now. I was I was kind of going off doing my own thing, getting busy and caught up with the cares and the affairs of this world. And then you gave the enemy permission to afflict me, to attack me, and it brought me back to you. It was good for me to be afflicted. It was? Yeah. It was a good thing. It was a God thing. It was good for me. And it was the glory of God. If it's good for me and it brings glory to God, God's going to do it. It was good for me to be afflicted. Why? So that I might learn your decrees. I got to learn a lesson. You know, I'm getting to the place, I've been walking with the Lord for 37 years plus now, and I'm finally, better late than never I guess, I'm finally getting to the place where when Satan attacks, adversity strikes, affliction happens, my first response, not my last resort, is, okay Lord, what do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want me to see? what do you want me to learn? Obviously you've allowed this to happen because you will never allow anything to happen to me. Not one hair fall from my head. You will never allow anything. So obviously this has happened. Why? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Is God's response. Here's why. Wow. I will learn things about the Lord that I could never otherwise learn, absent the affliction and the spiritual warfare and the adversity. You know, when things are going good, I don't learn. During times of prosperity, it's during times of adversity. That's when I learn. See, and I hate to say it this way, but you know what I mean when I say it. You know, God's got a problem. God doesn't have problems, but The problem is, is that we're prone to wander. It's a magnetic pull when it comes to the world, the flesh, the things of this world. I I oftentimes wonder if the reason why God called me into the ministry as a pastor and teacher is so that I would be forced to stay in His Word, because He knows what I'm prone to do. Even this last month, not being in the pulpit. Interesting. My time with the Lord took on a whole new meaning. My time in the Word, my time in prayer, so rich. I'm like, wow, Lord, I don't ever want this to end. To which he said, well, it has to end because you have to be back in the pulpit. (laughs) So. (laughs) Oh Lord, I've been just enjoying this, this time with you, and oh, I just, you've shown me so many things. He knows we're prone to wander. The story is told about that timeless and classic hymn of old, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and it's about wandering and going astray. One writer described it this way, it is an unfortunate turn of events when a young boy is forced to grow up without a loving father. Thus was Robert Robinson's fate. His dad passed away when he was only eight years of age. To make Robert's circumstances much more difficult, his maternal grandmother, uh, pardon me, grandfather, Robert Wilkin, a wealthy man, who had never reconciled himself to his daughter's lowly marriage, disinherited his grandson and provided an inheritance for him of only 10 shillings and sixpence. Even in his youth, he endured the hardship of having to be the breadwinner for his widowed mother and himself. As he grew older, he came under the influence of the famed evangelist George Whitfield. On December 10th, 1755, Robinson could not push from his mind a particular phrase used by Mr. Whitfield in one of his sermons. Oh, my hearers, the wrath to come, the wrath to come. Interesting, Paul talks about the wrath that will come upon the Jews who did this. He was wondrously converted and became a minister of the gospel, first in a Baptist church, then in a Methodist church, and later in other denominations. In one location, his congregation grew to 1,000 in attendance. Unfortunately, and for some unexplained reason, he became altogether unstable and unhappy. His Christian beliefs and training seemed of little importance to him on one occasion years later he found himself the fellow passenger of a young lady on a stagecoach it is reported that she began to sing to break the monotony of the trip and what did she sing come thou fount of every blessing tune my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. O to grace how great a debtor, Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for. Thy courts above. As she finished singing, the young woman asked Roberts what he thought about that song. His startling reply, Madam, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I would give a thousand worlds if I had them if I could feel now as I felt then, You might be here today, and it's been pretty rough, and it seems that God's given Satan permission to sift you, and you're sitting here in this church, sifted as wheat. (laughs) Don't despise it. Don't dismiss it. Embrace it. It's God's way of bringing you back to Him. Can I say it this way? He misses you. He loves you. He wants you back. He misses that time that you would once upon a time (laughs) have with Him, that intimacy. And He had to use the devil. By the way, important, don't miss this. Thank you Lord for reminding me to say this. The devil is God's devil. What? Yeah. The devil is God's devil. He's not God's opposite. He's not all powerful. He's not all present. He's not all knowing. Only God is. He's not God's opposite. And I think we do err greatly when we imagine that Satan is equal to God. He's not. He is a defeated foe. Sometimes it would do well, we would do well to tell him that out loud. I do. I know they have clinical terms for that, but I do. When he tries to put thoughts in my mind, I say, Stop! What are you? What, get out of here! You, you're a liar! I don't believe you. You're a liar. Every time you say something or put something in my mind, you're lying because you're the father of lies. I'm not going to believe your lie. I'm going to believe God's truth. That's not true. It's not consistent with what God's word of truth says. Get out of here. Go bother somebody else. <laughs> and I resist him. And he plays. He has to. When he attacked Jesus, what did Jesus do? He quoted Deuteronomy, by the way, the Word of God. And sometimes God has to allow the enemy to attack because it brings us back to Him, to His Word. Here's the second reason in verses 17 and 18, and this is a biggie. It's to protect and redirect our paths. Let me explain this one. Verse 18 to me is one of the most stunning verses in all of Scripture. And the reason is, is that Satan was actually allowed to block the Apostle Paul from going back to Thessalonica, which he longed to do. He says to them, I I really wanted to, I longed to, again and again continually. Couldn't stop thinking about it. I want to go back to the Thessalonians, see how they're doing. But Satan blocked me, and God allowed him to block me. Why? Why would God allow Satan to do that? That doesn't make any sense. You would think that God would certainly open up that door for Paul to go back and see how this church is doing. God allowed Satan to block him because God was actually protecting Paul and redirecting Paul. You know, sometimes God will allow the enemy to attack us in order to protect us from a greater trial. I know I need to expound on that. You remember when the disciples were told by the Lord to get into the boat onto the Sea of Galilee, and he would meet them on the other side? There, there seems to be, in, in the gospel account of that, some urgency on the part of the Lord. You don't really see that in the Scriptures. I never really see the Lord in a hurry, but apparently at this particular time, He's kind of in a hurry to get the disciples into the boat. Why? He wants to get them into the boat, knowing that they're going to enter into a perilous life and death storm. In other words, he he knowingly sends them into a storm. Why would he do that? He's protecting them from a potentially greater storm had they stayed. What do you mean? Oh, they just got done feeding the multitudes. And Jesus is like, I got to get them out of (laughs) here. They're heroes right now, and it's going to their head. Peter wants to start the first church of the feeding of the multitudes. And he's going to have an instant megachurch, and i got to get them out of here to protect them from pride. That's the greater trial. So he sends them into that storm in order to protect them from what could have been a more perilous storm, the peril of pride, which will ultimately lead to the fall. And God will never put us in a situation where the environment is conducive to our fall. He can't. Conversely, He will always put us in a situation that is conducive to our obedience to Him. In other words, you can be right smack in the middle of a trial, a perilous storm. Maybe you're here today and you're in one of those storms, and it's shaking you. You're like, Lord, this. why are you allowing this? And it's like the Lord saying, if only you knew what I was protecting you from. This storm is to protect you from a greater storm. I wonder, what, what if Paul would have been allowed to go back to Thessalonica? I wonder what would have happened. You think those Jews that run him out of town the last time are, are going to be there still? Oh, you better believe they're going to be there. And here's the other thing I, I have to ask myself. Let's say that God didn't allow Satan to block his way from going back to Thessalonica. Would we have two letters written to the Thessalonians? I don't think so. In other words, God brought about the greater good by having two letters. Paul wrote the letter in lieu of his going back there. That's why he wrote this letter and had it sent to them. I couldn't get, I wanted to come. That's why I'm writing. In other words, had he went, we wouldn't have 1st Thessalonians. Let's just close in prayer and go home. We wouldn't have 1st Thessalonians. We wouldn't have 2nd Thessalonians. And oh, by the way, 1st Thessalonians was the first epistle the Apostle Paul ever wrote. The first epistle that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit that we have in the canon of Scripture is 1st Thessalonians. And had God not allowed Satan to block his way, we wouldn't have this. And I can't even imagine my Bible without 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. You want to know why? You know why. Because, as we're going to see, It's all about the rapture of the church and the return of the Lord, which is exactly what he's going to talk about now. And in so doing, give us this third reason. It's the best for last, if you ask me. Why does God allow Satan to attack us as his people? Because it has this effect of creating a longing for the Lord's return. Verses 19 and 20 are interesting. It's like Paul saying, you guys, Satan may have blocked me from coming to you, but it just makes me long even more for the Lord's coming for us. Isn't it true? Let's be honest. We would have to admit that when things aren't going good down here, that's when we want the Lord to come. And when things are going really good down here, not so much. Let's be honest, right? Adversity strikes, you're in this trial. You're like, Lord, come quickly. Things are going good. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoy. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, during times of prosperity, enjoy. Just praise the Lord. You better enjoy it, because the trial is a coming. And then he says, but when adversity, I wish it said if by chance it should happen that adversity should strike. No, it says when adversity strikes, when God allows Satan to torment you like he did Paul with whatever that thorn in the flesh might be in your life. And you pray, God, why are are you allowing Satan to torment me with this thorn in my flesh? God says, you pray, remove it, get me out of it. And God says, I can't, I I would. But what you don't realize is if I did, it would be to your own peril. Because see, by me allowing this to continue, it's creating in you this total complete reliance and dependence upon me and me alone if i were to remove it keep in mind 14 years prior paul had been caught up to heaven hey if if god takes me and lets me see what awaits in glory you don't think that's going to go to my head i'm telling you right now <laughs> i'm writing books i'm speaking all over the world about what i saw not paul Why? Because God gave him this thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Paul, if I remove this thorn, whatever it was, and I believe God kept it generic for a reason so that we would fill in the blanks with whatever that thorn is in our lives that we've asked God to remove. Why do you let Satan continue to buffet me, to torment me like this, to attack me like this? Oh. Here's why. It's it's keeping you dependent upon me and waiting for me as you look to me. And if I didn't give Satan permission, where would you be? What would your life be like? Where would you go? I find it most interesting that Paul would say to them, He would say to them and of them that they are His hope, they are His joy, they are His crown and rejoicing when the Lord comes. That's all that's going to matter. In the end, this is the Lord's end game, as it were. Everything ultimately points to His return in the end and when we're going through difficulty and affliction and suffering and persecution, it makes us long more for the Lord's return. So we're wandering, we're going astray. God says I got to get their attention. Satan, go ahead. you only up to this point. Boom, okay, I got their attention. Now I got to get them on the right path. And i got to keep them on that right path. i got to direct their paths. i got to protect their paths. And then once they're on that right path, now that I've got their attention, I want them to also focus their attention on me and my return. Isaiah says it like this, Happy is he whose mind is stayed on me.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. Pastor JD will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor JD takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkadeohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelcaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor JD and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.
1: Love uh-huh.